You're listening to Flint Co. Forward, our ecosystem of innovation. Welcome to Flint Co. Forward. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. I'm pleased to welcome David Pounds, Director of Construction Support Services at Flint Co., and Aaron Geiger, Chief Technology Officer for Alborisi Group. David and Aaron, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Shelby. Shelby. Thanks for having us. So you two created a technology working group as a collaboration between the two companies a few years ago. Um, I guess before we explain exactly what that is, will you share your respective backgrounds and kind of what your companies do best? Sure, Shelby. So um, so my role is a chief technology officer. I've been in that role for different organizations for about eight years. And my perspective on the technology working group was really, you know, you hear a lot of, a lot these days about uh, aligning with the business. Uh, I think our companies have been doing that for a long time for technology aligning with the business, but we needed to take it to the next level. And this technology working group to me seemed like a really good way to make that happen. David, how about you? Uh, Flintco is uh, a commercial construction company that does largely uh, technical projects in construction management, meaning uh, higher education, a lot of healthcare, and just overall complex projects. We have eight different offices, and at any given time, we have about 95 open projects across the nation. So, what construction support services is, uh, we've combined our quality assurance, uh, our lean, our scheduling, our virtual design and construction departments, along with our equipment warehouse and maintenance. Um, And what that allows us to do is ensure that the equipment that we're buying, be it laser scanner or uh, robotic total station, the softwares of those will align with the softwares that our virtual design and construction uh, teams are using. So you mentioned uh, some process management, being agile and uh, and lean construction. Tell me a little bit about uh, the priority that Flintco has placed on those and kind of why that sets it apart from other construction industry companies. So I'm really glad to have Aaron on here uh, speaking about innovation management with me. Um, our innovation management uh, really started with what we called technology and interviews, um, a little subgroup that, that started meeting. And then once we realized that the technologies that were evolving in the industry were evolving so quickly, uh, and then really there just happened to be so many of them, there was a lot of noise in the space that we had to sort through to find out what was actually adding value to our projects we evolved our group into a formalized innovation committee. Um, That committee is still uh, fully operational. It has uh, representatives from every office and and really helps us find those those initial ideas of what can help a project team out on the project and then bubble those ideas up a little bit higher so that we can vet out and see which ones are, are actually worth pursuing. Yeah, and Shelby, to give a little more context to what David said around the number of solutions in construction with technology. So five years ago, and these are not, I can't remember exactly where these numbers come from, but five years ago, there were roughly three to 400 technology vendors in the construction space. A few months ago, the count was over 3,300. So that gives you a context for how much our industry has exploded with the use of technology over the last five years. 
And that speaks to why we need the innovation committees and this working group to, to really align business outcomes with tools uh, because otherwise, if you just start testing everything that you see or hear about, you'll spend all of your time, you'll test 70 things and you'll still have 200 things to test. So you won't get anything done. So you have to, you have to be more intentional about it. Well, let's talk about uh, kind of the industry as a whole. I mean, that type of growth of technology companies within the construction industry, that is certainly indicative that it's growing. But how was it before? I mean, that the 300 uh, were even those limited in the scope of, of connectability in terms of technology talking to other types of technology. And, and I guess just uh, kind of give me uh, your your viewpoint of where the construction industry came from and why has technology and, and this type of agility in making making technology choices been a little bit slow in the making? So, you know, thinking through the last five years, more of kind of the technology and what's changed to your point, because of a few uh, really forward thinking players in our industry like Procore, which is our uh, construction platform, uh, solutions have become much more easily connectable, integrated, you know, more like one solution for your team. There's still a long way to go, but that is that has changed dramatically in the last five years. The other thing that I think that has happened is the, the use of mobile devices uh, on the job site and the power that, that are in those mobile devices really started to become leveraged in our industry about five years ago. And that so those two things kind of overriding have really fueled um, the innovation. Yeah, Aaron, I would completely agree with that assessment. And really the the lack of connectivity uh, five plus years ago and, and really through the last five years um, made it more of pockets of innovation to where you would have certain geographies or even certain projects that would really be innovative and, and try new things. But because they weren't relying on any connectivity between uh, the different software platforms. It, it never really would proliferate out to other projects, or it didn't even have to be a, de a decision consideration whenever we were going to uh, go a different route with project management software or how we were collecting photographs out on, on the job site. Whereas now, that's absolutely a consideration is our ability to you know, quickly scale uh, something and then also quickly train other teams and, and make sure that we're all doing things uniformly uh, across the country. David, could you kind of get into the the weeds a little bit for us and, and maybe just explain exactly, uh, you mentioned images on site, how was it before, kind of what kind of manual process was there and then how is it now? So, and I guess I've been in construction for about 20 years you know, I remember when we first uh, started buying digital cameras for our project teams. And at that time, you know, we would ask uh, project engineers or superintendents to take a certain number of pictures at, you know, certain locations each day. And that was kind of our formalized uh, photographic record of the project. Um, you fast forward that to a little bit closer to today to where all of a sudden we're having iPads and iPhones out on the the project where we're still just we're taking more uh, pictures but nothing is tied to a location nothing is tied to an actual RFI 
a request for information in project software. Uh, but then you move into uh, Procore type uh, software where in the RFI you can take the picture, it's tied. You know, so now you have a picture tied to project management uh, document um, all the way to present day we're vetted out several uh, 360 degree uh, video and photo logs to where we can either put it on a, a pole with a light or put it on to a superintendent or, or project staff members hard hat simply have them walk a path on the job site um, it records you know on the plans where they walked and the conditions on that site on that day. Um, and then we have really, I guess, with, with uh, cloud processing and, and the ability of cloud storage, we, we can store all those photos and go back to them at any point in time. Well, so let's talk about the technology working group and um, kind of what kind of uh, progress it's made. And uh, let me ask, I mean, how is this essentially moving the needle? So how it's evolved and how it's moving the needle you know, I was thinking about before we did this today, um, what are the key things that having a working group enables enables you to have in your organization? I think right off the bat, uh, it creates visibility and alignment. So if you have this working group and we created a simple technology dashboard that basically holds all of our ideas or projects in whatever stage they're in um, so that there's one simple truth that says this is everything with technology and innovation we're working on. This is how it's prioritized. This is kind of the stage that it's in. These are the project teams that are testing it, what have you. Um, just creating that visibility and alignment for the whole organization. If you just do that, you're already, you're already going to be more productive and move the needle just by the creation of it. And then I've seen us in the last 12 months be able to make what I feel like are much better, much more informed and much quicker decisions around different pieces of technology um, with the benefit of that shared uh, operational leadership and technology leadership together, uh, evaluating these things, prioritizing, and then uh, moving forward. Yeah, and I would, I would piggyback on that to say the speed of decision making, especially in a, a pretty complex space uh, with technology and innovation is really, you know, what is moving the needle and the speed to decision making, you know, that road goes both directions, you know, down at the operator and field level, they understand, you know, what we're looking at at, at an enterprise level and the, the C-suite executives understand that all the way down to the, the field level, everybody knows. Um, the, probably the best thing about that is whenever we do have something that we're looking at piloting or scaling, it's probably much easier for Aaron to you know, lean on some operational staff to say, what project would this fit on? Um, let's get a good beta test going. And you know, with our teams understanding that, yes, sometimes they are going to be called upon to test either one or two uh, different products and then give us a report back on it. But it's you know, for the greater good of the company and it's not going just, you know, onto a report that's going to be filed on somebody's shelf and never read. Um, it's something that really is, you know, changing the company. 
Well, let me let me ask you, though, because when you have more information and more people involved, uh, I think some people might be afraid that that slows down the process, that that, that a decision making almost becomes a little bit bureaucratic. So how would you respond to to that question from people or or even potential drawback? That that's a really good point. And that was actually a major concern of ours when we uh, when we sort of started architecting this working group. Uh, I, the one person in the organization put it as this group should not be the place where ideas go to die. You don't want you know tons of bureaucracy, and you don't want to slow things down. So uh, we basically have um, the number one this this technology working group is a combination of an innovation committee that looks longer term, that looks three or five years out for those next big trends that we need to investigate. And then we have more of the near term working group uh, that we meet once a month. Uh, we meet for an hour and a half to two hours. We have a very focused agenda and we have a really efficient process to look through where we are, evaluate things, make decisions. Uh, it's also a really small group we purposely made it. It's seven people total, including myself and David. Mm -hmm. So it's a very small group that is set up to move fast, but also uh, be sort of the hidden bureaucracy of prioritizing and recording and, and having a view of all this so that for the organization, uh, it doesn't feel bureaucratic. How does it achieve that then, this kind of hidden bureaucracy? I like that that term in terms of that there is decision-making and there's, uh, there's order to all of this and process, but it's not in a roadblock sense. Well, I think the hidden bureaucracy part of it is that those seven people are really empowered to you know, advise almost all the way to approval because uh, you know, the C-level executives cannot remain as aware of the technology and innovation space as one would need just to make daily decisions. Um, so we gate decisions and advise all along the way um, so that uh, all of the executives are aware of the direction the company is moving. So that's at the, at the decision level, that's really how it becomes efficient. But um, just where Aaron was talking, you know, we didn't want this to be the place where ideas went to die. Down at the project level, um, where we do have much larger innovation committees within the company, um, we let those ideas bubble up just from our, our company uh, culture. We want people to bring the ideas up. We want people to talk about it and, and challenge the status quo to bring the best value to the projects. Um, all of our innovation management groups really work as a large ecosystem on handing off ideas and scaling those ideas that need to be scaled. And then the ones that didn't seem as uh, as good, those sometimes are put on a shelf to, to let the software or hardware incubate a little while, develop a little further, and then maybe we would look at them you know, in one year's time or two years time, or just really the next time the, the sales engineer makes a call, we, we pull up the file and simply say, you know, what's changed since this last time we spoke? Um, sometimes there are dramatic changes and we'll take a look at it. Other times it's, okay, let's you know, call me back whenever we've made, made some more changes. Yeah, one thing I would add on to that is, that is really a great part of our uh, ecosystem of innovation that David talked about 
is um, this the model of sort of failing fast that you hear about with startups and you know the way to do innovation properly. For us, what that means is if we're looking at a given new technology space in construction, we can pretty quickly vet three, ten solutions, get two or three projects to test maybe three different solutions that we think are all in the wheelhouse and pretty quickly get some results back and decide, number one, was it impactful? And then number two, if it was impactful, which of those partners seems like the best fit for our organization? Uh, We've been able to do that in a matter of a few months on some software. It depends on the complexity of it. In the past, uh, you know, from my past experience, sometimes that process in construction took 12 months or more because of both the pace of the vendor space and just the pace of construction and sort of the willingness not to fail with technology. So we're set up where we can make, have those failures and learn from them very quickly without it costing a lot of money or time. Right. And I I think that's a a huge point because that's what feels so daunting and and what gets you into a paralysis by analysis is the stakes for failing at this uh, for spending all of this time and resources uh, into a technology that maybe just you could have done everything every possible due diligence but it just doesn't work for the for the business that that's a scary thought so uh, you're saying that that this is helping mitigate that because it's taking a little bit of that fear out of really making a decision right correct I think so. And I also think that the groups that we're talking about have a pretty good mix of the technical experts and, and implementers within the business, but also uh, our operations leaders within the business. So we're able to really make decisions on both sides of the board quickly and, and speak very rapidly about complex problems. So David, I noticed Flintco talks a lot about uh, lean construction. Uh, will you kind of just explain that philosophy and um, where you see this this type of strategy going forward in the construction industry? Yeah, so lean is you know something that has been around for greater than a decade, even in the construction industry, and longer than that in manufacturing. What uh, at Flintco we have what we call Lean 2.0, which is really Flintco's take on lean. Um, what it amounts to is that as a company, it's our second full run at lean, but it's also uh, kind of a modified implementation of lean practices for our operations. Lean principles are uh, governed by two primary lean values, which is continuous improvement and respect for others. Uh, when we're looking at innovation or technology solutions, we're looking at them through that lean lens as well, where we're saying, you know, is this offering us a continuous improvement to our process? And is this helping our project teams, i.e., is it respecting our project teams and making their lives better? Um, So at Flintco, we do have a vision. Um, Our overall vision is the unwavering pursuit of the perfect construction experience. That, that's really the lens that I, all the teams underneath uh, construction support services, anytime we're doing something for a project, we ask ourselves, you know, is this bringing us closer to providing that perfect construction experience? And whenever you ask that, you say, well, who, who is the experience for? And we say everybody involved. So that involves our project teams and the owners and clients, of course, 
but also the architect and engineer teams and all the trade partners involved. And so we really look holistically at these solutions uh, going into our project offices. So as we start to wrap up, what would be the main takeaways that you hope that somebody listening to this podcast absolutely grabs um, from from listening to this technology working group and how that has really uh, made an impact in, in the company universally? I think the main takeaway that I would hope uh, someone would would bring is um, just the fact that cr- creating that working group, every company is going to be different, right? What that working group is going to look like in each company culture uh, is going to be different. But when you really break it down into kind of its simple components, it's not that difficult to set up. And we've found, and I've seen many of my peers have the same experience, that it just really accelerates decision-making and it creates that alignment with business outcomes and with our company objectives. Um, and it and it just really makes the process easier for everyone. Um, so that would be the, that would be the main takeaway is just, you know, go out there, start up your working group, uh, be willing to, you know, fail the first time you do it, make quick adjustments to get it to the way you want it to be. Uh, and it's going to be very successful. Absolutely, Aaron. That, that's, I would I would agree with that on saying it can be done. Um, you won't get it right the first time, and you have to do iterative process of, of continuous improvement just to to make it work. Um, but the one thing that I would add is, you know, take a hard look at at the company's culture overall and make sure that it aligns with your culture, kind of the direction that you're taking the innovative approach. And if you get that right, it it will take off pretty quickly. Is there a certain culture that that your company should have in order to be able to embrace these philosophies? I would say it's the the culture of, you know, accountability and continuous improvement um, to where, you know, people don't have pride of authorship uh, to where if, if you have an idea and you try it and it doesn't work, you're you're in it with everybody else to say, hey, this isn't working. Let's let's adapt it and and uh, make it better. And that's where when I said that, you know, our our group evolved out of a marketing group uh, that we were looking at this for, uh, you know, really how we were using technology and in interviews. And then uh, it, it really evolved from there. The, the other thing I would add that sort of goes along with culture is um, how much change how much change your organization can take so that's an important thing to keep the pulse on uh, because you can outstrip your your company's ability to uh, take change and that's one thing that we are very cognizant of when we're making these decisions is making sure we're not putting too much change on our enterprise over a short period of time so sometimes you actually have to slow yourself down because it's just too much change to, to implement in one short period of time. And you've got a, a roadmap, everything there laid out on the table of what's to come, of rolling out these, these projects and these platforms and then being able to hear feedback from the people that are actually in the trenches, uh, really absorbing these changes and, and how they're doing, right? Just in the last year, our group has heard both uh, for a given technology, we want to speed this up and we want it quicker than we're, than it's coming. 
And we've also heard, we think this is impactful, but this is a big change and we need to slow down and maybe not do it for another six months, et cetera. So I think it, you hear both, as long as you're open to hearing both and you're able to replan and realign, then I, I think it works uh, wonderfully. Well, excellent information. Aaron and David, I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you, Shelby. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Shelby. It's been fun. We'll catch you next time on Flintco Forward.